Close your eyes and let your imagination be swept away to Leeton, a seemingly tranquil haven nestled amidst the Australian wilderness. Leeton is a picturesque country town of less than 7,000 residents where everyone knows everyone and neighbours shout friendly hellos. But in 2019, the town lost its long-held innocence when one of its own went missing. What happened next shocked the nation and brought the grim reality of violence against women right to Leeton's very own doorstep. Darling, I'm your host Jess. And I'm your co-host Phil. Are you co-host co is equal, said. right? Oh, like equal. we're equal. It's an equal of hosting. And I am the listener. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, what am I? What am I? My what hot husband. I? That's what you are. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. I'll take that. Thanks. I'll take that. Um, but honestly, what am I to this podcast? Co-host. We co-host this together. Well, you're the, actually you're the host. I'm just here listening. Like I'm not really. Well, if you, I don't know, if you talk more, you'll be your host. Yeah, just pick it up. I, I, I pick it up. You do well. Um, yep, your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Yours truly. Yours truly. Anyway, we're back with another episode. Excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, boy. Yeah, I have got a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Something that I think you'll be very interested in. Mm-hmm. So... I've been, I was meant to talk about this last week, but I totally forgot because I don't write anything down. And then when I get on here, everything disappears. Mm -hmm. So I wrote it down this week. So our first series, like a lot of series, the first three episodes were Australian ones. Australian. Okay. And on episode three, which was the Morehouse Mortars. Morehouse Mortars. You still stumble on your I still stumble. Morehouse Mortars. Anyway, what was the question of the episode? Do you remember? The question of the episode? Mm Mm-hmm. But did you ask me a question? No, it was like the thing that kept coming back, and we, I was like, I don't know the answer, and I was really frustrated because oh, I type didn't of car? know what type of car. Well, yeah. guess what I know. What? What type of car it is? Oh, sweet. Was I it had... the Vanguard? Is that what we were talking about? No, Vanguard was episode two, Sundown Murders. Okay, yeah. So this is David and Catherine. Oh, when I saw them, and you said they had a nice car. A car, and you were like, "What kind of car?" And I was oh, like, yeah. "I really don't know." I know now. I'm glad you went back. And well, I didn't forward. go back to be honest because I tried finding out the first time. Uh-huh. Like I was, I tried and I couldn't find it. Anyway, Who told one you? of our listeners has like inside info because actually I can't tell you why because she told me I wasn't allowed to say why. She's got the inside goss on that particular case. Oh, wow. She's, she's got the goss. Anyway, it was a yellow Sandman panel van. There's a Sandman. Have you seen the Sandman around the corner from us? Stop. Get no, out. No, it has, and it has, sand, has Sandman written on the back. I don't know, but this is what it looks like. Yes. There's, <laughs> one, there's one of them around the corner. Oh, my God. <laughs> like it actually has Sandman written on it. Well, make sure if I ever go missing, that's the first house you check They've on the street. They've got another car up there. Yeah, wow. All Crazy. Right. Anyway, are you happy about that? 
I am happy. Thank you. If that ever happens, like if there's a question I can't answer, because he is throwing curveballs at me sometimes during these episodes. You're asking me things that I'm like, didn't think to ask because maybe it doesn't like yeah. pertain to the actual crime. I don't know. He throws me curveballs. So if I can't answer and you guys know, slide into our DMs or drop a comment on the episode. Slide anyway. into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Okay. Last week's episode? No. Um, yeah, last week's episode. Yeah, with uh, Kaylee and the, Kaylee and Bree. The twins. Yeah, yeah, that just went live. Yeah. Really good episode. Mm-hmm. Lots of good feedback. People like that one. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize. I don't know if you realized this, but there was a knife on the table. Yeah, yeah. I of course. Did I you noticed. notice that yeah, while well, we were I noticed filming? It when I was editing, but I didn't realize when it was going to be in frame. I didn't notice either. But like, that knife, if they want to know what it was for, that knife was used to cut the thing off the new mics. Yeah, because we got new mics. So, so we just like cut all. them out of the box. And I was like, people are going to think that this is a prop. And I was like, that's gross. Like it absolutely was not a prop. It was and a fake were, knife. It, Educational purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, I just had to bring that up because, yeah, I was watching it back and I was like, oh, my fucking God, there's a knife on the table. Mm, not good. Um, what else do you want to talk about? Just news, actually. Um, Taylor Swift tickets drop tomorrow and I'm very nervous about it. Actually, I have sweaty palms just thinking about it. Um, I guess you guys will know by the time this episode drops whether or not I secured the bag and got some tickets. Mm-hmm. I'm aiming for four. Good luck to you. Thank you. I hope you get them. Me too. Otherwise, mm. you'll hear about it. Yeah. Well, mm. It'll be a bad week for me. Bad week for you. <laughs> anyway, some other exciting news. Courtney Kardashian's pregnant. Uh, is that really exciting? It is for me. Yeah, she's she's done friend. having babies. Is she old now? <laughs> what is, why, you know? Get with the times. Perfectly fine children with <clears throat> Scott. Who she's not with. She's married to Travis Barker now. Good on them. Happy for them. That's great. Okay. More impo- Is there any like, important news we want to talk about? Um, well, they they found out what happened to the submarine. I'm on submarine talk, That's- which... Yeah. I'm also not on submarine talk anymore because there is no submarine talk yeah, well, anymore. You know, which play. is very sad. I was. It very is very sad, but play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Wow, it is what it is. Okay. It's, yeah, it sucks. It's sad, but who in their right mind is getting in that? Lots of people have done it. Have they? Yeah. On that particular one, and <laughs> signed their death warrant. I don't know. All yeah. I know is I was obsessed with following this. And yeah. would have been cool to see like a like a rescue on the very last day and they all end up being all right. But it would have been cool. No. Anyway, I just had to mention it because that's that I was very much following along. Mm. Anyway, that's all that's all my top points that I had written down to talk yeah. about today. Do you have anything you need to share? Um nothing I need to, but I will. Yeah, I will. Um we're filming again on another random day. <laughs> we, we're not doing well sticking to we're our really Thursdays not, but we're gonna get on to it happens. we're gonna get on top of it um built build this the i started <laughs> to build the back fence yesterday got all the posts in for me mm. and my my homie dave we got that done um so just gonna put the wire on next and what else so just that's about it really yeah we go away tomorrow we're going taking the kids away on a little holiday oh, it's school holidays right yeah. now um on another note bunnings I'll bunnings coffee is the best coffee there Tell actually story. is. Go it's on. so good. Quickly. I was no out. biggie. I went to what did I go to Bunnings for yesterday? Fence stuff. I'd buy fence stuff and I went to get a coffee. Long story short, they didn't have any lids for the takeaway coffee cups. 
So they were kind enough just to give me a keep cup oh, for coffee. Don't beat around the bush. <laughs> no, Phil, that's, that's Phil was like, I'm not leaving until I have a cup with a lid. So then they gave me a keep cup. <laughs> <laughs> Phil's a Karen. And it was really good. No, nah, he's not a Karen. Really good. Um, yeah, that's that's about it, really. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ready to get into today's story. Yes, we are. We are back in Australia today, which and you guys would have caught from the opening. Back in um, Australia. Why? We we only had two, one American story. Because Australia is elite. Okay. Um, but this one was requested and yeah. I actually remember this case. So when it got mentioned, I was like, yeah, I think I might share that one. Will I know it? Possibly. Did you have? Do you have request? Do you get requests from people that want to hear stories? Yeah, I've already. Yeah, a okay. few people have already started. Some of them yeah. are like really good. Some of them are not. Um, like they'll be like, "Oh, there was this case like in my hometown, like that you should do." And like, yeah. there's one news article on it, which is really hard to like base a whole podcast episode off. Mm-hmm. But I guess as time goes on, I'll get better maybe at just like getting deeper and like finding information. Um, so it's not a no, it's just like a not now. Yeah. Anyway, I've got the next few lined up, but I think there was like a good response to when we covered Australian cases. Okay. So I'd like to, I'm still going to venture off. Yeah. But if like, I'd like to keep coming back. Anyway, I just remember this one. Like I actually remember this one, not so much the case itself, um, but I remember the aftermath of the case and yeah, I just thought I would share this one today. Cool. Um, let us know if you think we ramble too much at the start. If you just want to get straight into the case or if you're cool with us jibbery-jabbering. Either way, we're going to jibber-jabber. Oh, I, had, did I, I feel I had something else to talk about. Oh, quickly get it out. Come on. You can do it. Um, no, the fence, the coffee, the it's big week. Mm. Phil, it, let us know if we ramble too much. Um, but I just <laughs> have one more thing to say. Uh, it'll come back to me, but uh, let's do it. Okay, if it comes back, just rudely interrupt, oh, right. as always. Um, I'm going to put my glasses on now. Yeah, it's going to get rudely interrupted. <laughs> so I'm going to get rudely interrupted by my blind vision. Stephanie Scott was known as a friendly and kind child with empathy beyond her years. She was the first to help out anyone in need or to look after an injured animal. These traits followed Stephanie into adulthood and she had a huge group of friends who adored her. It came as no surprise to anyone when Stephanie announced she wanted to become a drama teacher. She had always enjoyed helping others and teaching was a natural fit. When she finished university, Stephanie returned to the town she had grown up in, Leeton. At the time, each of the schools in Leeton had less than 100 students attending each day. Stephanie knew that teaching in such a small class would be a unique opportunity to make a difference. So when she landed her dream job at Leeton High School, she couldn't have been happier. Stephanie was more than just a drama teacher to her students. They saw her as a kind of mentor and the type of person that they could approach to ask for advice on pretty much anything. There was no counsellors at the school, but Stephanie came pretty close. Outside of teaching, Stephanie was at her happiest when she was surrounded by her family, especially the love of her life, Aaron Leeson Woolley. Stephanie and Aaron had met when they were at high school together. As they grew into adulthood, romance bloomed and they supported each other to live their dreams. After five years together, the pair were excited about the future and when Aaron proposed, there wasn't a moment's hesitation before Stephanie answered yes. The date for their wedding was set for the 11th of April 2015. 
Rather than it being a stressful experience, Stephanie had found joy in planning every last detail of the day. She wanted to make sure everyone had a great time and that they knew exactly how special they were to her and Aaron. All of the arrangements were made and everyone that they knew and loved had RSVP to celebrate the young couple. But Stephanie would never make it down the aisle. In the days before the wedding, Stephanie was making the final preparations not for the big day, but for her students. She was going on her honeymoon immediately after the wedding and the school had arranged for a substitute teacher to take over her class while she was gone. Stephanie had no doubt that the stand-in teacher was fully capable, but she didn't want her students to be any more disrupted than they already would be. So, when she was invited to a party on Easter Sunday, the 5th of April, less than a week before the wedding, Stephanie declined. It was a long weekend and everyone was pretty relaxed, so she told Aaron to go ahead and enjoy the festivities without her. She told her future husband she would see him when he got home and kissed him goodbye. Yeah. Um, school teacher, yeah. loved by all of her students, mm-hmm. soon to be married. Yeah, so this is their wedding week. The week of their wedding and her husband's going to a party without her. It's Easter Sunday. Okay. They got invited to a thing, but she wants to just make sure that all of her kids are prepared for while she's away on holidays. She's doing like homework, well, not homework, but that sort of stuff. Yeah, just getting it ready. So it's like Easter Sunday. Yep. So instead of socializing and going to the party, Stephanie borrowed a set of keys from a co-worker and made her way to Leeton High School. She planned to draw up a lesson plan with the substitute teacher or which the substitute teacher could refer to in her absence. And when she arrived at the school, the hallways were silent, just as she had hoped, and Stephanie got straight to work. Is This this is a Saturday, is it? Easter Sunday. Oh, it's actually on Easter Sunday. Yeah. Oh, wow, she's dedicated. That's yeah. Good. good on her. Yeah, good girl. So later that evening, Aaron returned home and he immediately noticed that Stephanie wasn't there. Mm -hmm. He knew that she had gone to the school, but she had mentioned it would only take her a couple of hours to do what she needed to do. They had been texting back and forth for most of the time that they were apart, but he realized that he didn't hear back from her um, for more than an hour, Mm -hmm. over an hour. So Aaron rang Stephanie's phone, but there was no answer. So he texted her and rang again and still no answer. The school was only a short drive away from the home the couple shared, so he decided to go and look for her in person. But her little red Mazda 3 wasn't in the car park and the school was dark and deserted. Good on you mentioning the whole car. Thank you. (laughs) By now, Aaron was seriously concerned about Stephanie. She simply wasn't the type to disappear. So Aaron returned home and began ringing everyone that he and Stephanie knew in Leeton. Mm -hmm. He hoped that they might have seen her or at least heard from her and could reassure him that his wife-to-be was safe. But no one had seen Stephanie, not since she picked up the keys from her co-worker. Aaron stayed up all night waiting for Stephanie to come home. With each passing hour, his worry turned to dread. And the first thing the next morning, he called the police and reported Stephanie missing. Yeah. So he did, you say he did go to the school? He drove to the school, uh-huh. um, but her car wasn't Couldn't there. Couldn't see the car. Did he like get into the grounds to look in like the classrooms or anything? No, because it's a school. It's locked. Yeah, but she was in there. Like, so he couldn't have gone in case she was still at the school. Possibly, but he, I guess he did like a drive-by. Lights are off. There's okay. no one there. Like her car's not there. Because it would have been nighttime now. Nighttime, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. So, any more questions? No, that's it. Keep okay. going. <laughs> Within an hour, word had spread through the tight-knit community of Leeton that one of their own was missing. 
While search and rescue started a ground search, numerous friends and family gathered to look as well. A dive team was deployed to search nearby waterways, but after hours of searching, no one had found a single trace of Stephanie or her vehicle. A dive team like on that same night? They were like straight... Oh, no, it's the next day. Oh, he the reported okay. her the next morning yep. after she didn't come home. Yeah. Yeah. So like dive team, like they're checking like waterways, like along like the main yep. road and things like that. So meanwhile, people attempted to consult Aaron, who by then was beside himself with mm. worry. Like obviously. Hell yeah. They suggested that maybe she had cold feet and that she'd run off to avoid getting married, which such a punch in the face. <laughs> like, imagine, like, your wife goes missing and people are like, mm, yeah, it was she's, probably uh, you. She's done a runner, mate. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, oh, why would yeah, you is, even say that? That's pretty brutal to that's say that. brutal. Who said, of, who said that? Yeah, I want to know. Shit friends, in my opinion. So, yeah, they suggested that maybe she ran away so she didn't couldn't get married or maybe she'd been in a car accident and was waiting for help to arrive. None of their reassurances made a dent in the pit of fear sitting in Aaron's stomach. He knew Stephanie was excited for the wedding. She had thrown herself into planning and beyond that, she wasn't the type of person who would run away without telling anyone where she was going. Yeah. That's like me, I think. If I ever go missing, I'm missing. Mm. <laughs> you reckon? Yes. I would never just disappear. I think you would. One day you'd be like, I'm done. See ya. Okay, just well, if I go missing and feels like... She's just out chilling. He's killed me. <laughs> just, he's killed me. Oh we my God. Seen Jess in six months. Oh, she, she'll be back. She'll, she'll be, be back soon. Stop. So, while members of the police and the locals continued to search Leeton for Stephanie, officers began speaking to everyone who knew her. Three days after Stephanie's disappearance, officers spoke to the principal of the high school where she worked. It turned out that the principal had driven past the school the day before she was last seen and he had noticed something unusual. Uh-oh. Something happened at the school, didn't it? Maybe. Should I keep going? Yeah. Okay. In the car park of the school, he had seen an older model white ute which belonged to the janitor who cleaned the school. Oh, shit. The janitor. While the vehicle in itself wasn't out of place, it was the fact that the janitor was there on a public holiday weekend, which had stuck in the principal's mind. So that would have been the Saturday then. Sunday. No, because the day before she went missing, she went missing on the Sunday when she went to the school. But if the principal drove past on the day before on the Saturday, or did he drive by earlier on the Sunday and notice that the janitor was there? Yeah, he drove by on the Sunday. The same day that? Stephanie was there. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And he's like, there's a van there. Why mm. is the cleaner there? He's yeah. not supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not supposed to be there. Cleaning up his mess. That's what he's doing. The janitor had his own set of keys to access the school, but there was strict rules about when cleaners could and could not access the building. And one of those rules stated that they were only allowed on the property during school hours. So why was he there on a public holiday when the school was clearly closed? Mm-hmm. My thoughts there. What are your thoughts? Um, well, you know, it's hard because like I see the, the janitor isn't just someone who cleans the school. The, I, I feel a lot of janitors take pride in what they do. Yeah. So he's like, it's a long weekend. Mm-hmm. I might not have much else to do. I'm going to get this school looking schmick and clean. Garden's all nice. Rubbish all picked up. So come Tuesday or Wednesday after the long weekend. Yeah. School's all nice. Like, yeah. That's, I think. I I can't see any harm in the janitor being there. Yeah. That's what I think. My thoughts on like when I read this, say this, is like 
the principal drove past and was like, oh, the cleaner's there. Why is he there? He's not supposed to be there. Yeah. But kept going. That's it. Yeah, if you're the principal, like that's your school, that's your responsibility. Like I know that not our kid's current principal, but the last one who's moved on. Oh, he would have been. He would have been <laughs> straight been, in there and been like, what are you doing here? Get out. Right. Get, get out of my school. Yeah. This is my school. So I, oh, I mean, yeah. I'm like, mm. Anyway. Yeah. So later that day, a resident who lived close to the school, came forward to say that he had seen the same vehicle parked at the school, except they had seen it there on the day after Stephanie went missing, which was another public holiday and another day when the school was closed. The Easter Monday. So Sunday and now Monday he's mm-hmm. seen it there. Do we know if the vehicle was parked in the same location at the school or that it was just there? They don't know if it was in the exact same car park. In the school's car park. Yeah, There's only but one car was park. It in the, was it in the exact same spot over those days? Do we know that? Uh, yes. Okay. I think it was in Yeah, it hadn't been moved. Mm-hmm. Actually, I retract that. I can't confirm. She doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, at the same time, officers were speaking to Stephanie's colleagues at the school. They too offered some interesting insights into the janitor. On the Tuesday after the long weekend, when everyone was back at school, a staff member had spoken to the man and asked if he had been around the school when Stephanie went missing. But the man denied being at the school over the weekend. This is the janitor they've asked. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So when the colleague mentioned that someone was saying Stephanie had run off to avoid getting married, the janitor had giggled and then carried on with his work. Like he thought it was funny. <laughs> the woman also... That's, that's not funny. He shouldn't laugh at that. No. Not, no. I don't think it would have been like a polite giggle, almost like a... Like he knows what's like up a giggle. a creepy giggle. Uh, yeah. You know. Anyway, the woman also noticed that the janitor had scratches on his face. Who's who's the person questioning him there right now? Another a colleague at the okay, school. Okay, another. So yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's just, it's just like conversation because okay, she's yeah. missing. Mm-hmm. You, if, if someone yeah. went missing at your work, you'd be yeah. like, oh "My God, yeah. did, were you here?" Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So she noticed that he had scratches on his face. Um. But he never offered an explanation for why. Mm-hmm. So, officials, obviously, after hearing all of this, were keen to speak to the janitor, who they identified as Vincent Stafford, and they brought him in for questioning that very same day. Vincent Stafford was a 24-year-old Leeton resident who worked as a cleaner at six schools in the area. When Vincent was asked why his vehicle had been seen in the school parking lot on two days when the school was closed, he simply answered that he had just wanted to clean. Okay. But he's already told the other person that he wasn't there. Yeah. Hmm. And how come he's between six schools? They do things differently. Like I know even at primary school and high school, we just had one full-time janitor or cleaner. Is is he a janitor, cleaner? Are they separate? It's the same thing. Well, I know when I was at school, like the the cleaners would come like in the afternoon or like nighttime. I had, hang on, the janitor does more like grounds work as well, don't they? No, it's just another word for a cleaner. A groundskeeper does grounds work. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Mm. All right. Okay. Yep, we're good. Anyway, so when Vincent was asked why he was at the school, he just said he just wanted to clean. And when he was asked where he was on Easter Sunday, the day that Stephanie had gone into the school and not returned, Vincent said that he had gone shopping at the Golden Apple Superstore, which is a shop in Leeton. Yep. So it all sounded plausible enough and so Vincent was allowed to leave the station while officers looked into his alibi. But the moment the interview was over, one of the senior detectives heard alarm bells. 
Everyone in Leeton knew pretty much everyone, and that included store owners. He knew that from living in Leeton all his life that the Golden Apple Superstore wasn't open over the four-day Easter break. So he decided to ring the store to check, and sure enough, they confirmed that they weren't open on Easter Sunday Hmm. or any of the days of the long weekend. So all of a sudden, police had reason to look much more closely into Vincent Stafford, and they issued a warrant for his arrest. Within the hour, officers uh, quietly descended on the home he shared with his mother and older brother to bring him in for questioning. But Vincent wasn't there and his car wasn't parked outside, so he's not home. Yep. So when officers knocked on the door, Vincent's mother answered and she agreed to let the officers search her home. As officers were going through Vincent's room searching for anything which might indicate whether he was their man, he returned home. By then, there was a line of police vehicles surrounding the house but Vincent appeared unworried he calmly wandered toward the house and when he was asked where he had disappeared to after his earlier police interview he told the officers that he'd been out taking scenic photographs around Leeton he's a photographer as well yes (laughs) scenic photographs okay ah okay he's out and about doing something sus yeah he disappeared yeah meanwhile officers searching Vincent's room made a shocking discovery Barely concealed in his room, they found a red bra, handcuffs which had blood splatter on them, what appeared to be the lining from the trunk of a vehicle, and something else. The same set of keys Stephanie had borrowed from her colleague to get into the school. Damn. Mm. So he's, he's done it. He's mm. done something. Done something. Did they take him in right away? Well, when this information was relayed to the officers who were speaking to Vincent outside the house, he was quickly detained. An officer asked to see his phone and Vincent willingly handed it over. And rather than scenic pictures of the town, they found a much more disturbing photo on Vincent's phone. Despite the poor quality of Vincent's pictures, it was clear that they were looking at a body. Fuck. Mm Mm-hmm. So Vincent tried to tell the officers that the photos had been taken from a horror film. Um, But this time, officers immediately saw through his lies and he was taken into custody and transported back to the local station for questioning. Is is Vincent not all there? Um, I'll get into it. Yeah. I would say that he's of sound mind. Okay. Yeah. It just seems like, you know, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's all there. Yeah. Like he's just, I don't know, seems too casual about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, which I think will come out soon. Okay, all right. Yeah. So it took three days before Vincent would finally reveal exactly what had happened that day. In his recorded police interview, Vincent is emotionless as he describes driving past the school and seeing Stephanie's Mazda 3 in the car park. He felt compelled to enter the school despite knowing he wasn't allowed to be on school grounds outside of hours. Stephanie was in her classroom working when he walked past and called out a friendly hello. Stephanie responded kindly and got back into her work. Mm -hmm. Vincent would later tell the police that in that moment, he felt an immediate urge to kill her. What the f- is this out of nowhere? Mm -hmm. He would have felt that obviously he knew he was up to no good when he was driving in. Like he's... Yeah. It's not just, oh, I'm going to go say hello. Mm. Yeah. So he said that this was something I had to do and I couldn't stop myself. I had to kill her. I was not angry or anything. I was pretty emotionless. I just thought I had to kill her. I think I have mental problems. I didn't feel angry. I just wanted to kill. I think I need to see a psychiatrist, but I didn't. 
So after seeing Stephanie, Vincent drove the short distance back to his home and got his kill kit ready. In a bag, he tossed Viagra, a knife, cleaning products and a pair of handcuffs he had recently purchased online. He then drove back to the school and waited. So when Stephanie finished setting up the lesson plan for the substitute teacher, she packed up her things and prepared to leave. And on her way out the door, she wished Vincent a happy Easter and told him that she was heading home to see Aaron and to enjoy the rest of his long weekend, which is so sad. But she would never get the chance to do either. When Stephanie turned her back, Vincent put a hand over her mouth and dragged her into the storeroom. Stephanie fought desperately for her life, but she was no match for Vincent. Once they were inside the storeroom, Vincent ripped her clothes off and raped her. During and after the rape, he punched her 30 to 40 times before getting a knife out of his bag and stabbing her in the neck to make sure that she was dead, is his words. Yeah, brutal. So then with chilling calmness, Vincent locked the storeroom with Stephanie's lifeless body still inside and returned home for lunch. So just left her. Fucking hell. I know. So sad. I just don't know how you can do that to someone that's like, have a happy Easter, see you later, I'm going home to my fiancé, can't wait to get married next week. Yeah, well, obviously not all there. Mm. And just, I don't know. It's gross. So he went home for lunch, he enjoyed a cheese sandwich and a mug of coffee before going back to the school and dragging Stephanie's body out into the car park. He opened the trunk of her car and stuffed her inside and closed the lid. Then Vincent cleaned the storeroom to remove any trace of the horrors he had carried out and when he was done, he drove Stephanie's car home to his own home and parked around the back out of sight of the road. And his mum or older brother didn't notice or think that this was weird? Didn't notice. Didn't even notice? Mm -mm. So that night, his mum and brother noticed nothing out of the ordinary with Vincent's behaviour. The following morning, he drove Stephanie's car 70 kilometres to Kokopara National Park. He dragged her body back out of the trunk and removed her jewellery and her personal items, including the bra, which was later found yeah. in his bedroom, and her engagement ring. Mm-hmm. So in an attempt to destroy Stephanie completely, he covered her body with branches and debris from the forest floor and lit it on fire. <sighs> While she burnt, Vincent used his phone to take photos so he could put them on his computer and look at them again later. What a sick fuck. He's a fucking loser. After burning Stephanie's body, Vincent drove her car back towards home and then he dumped it seven kilometres out of Leeton in a field filled with tall grass. When he made it back home, he mailed Stephanie's engagement ring to his twin brother who lived in South Australia and asked him to pawn it for him. Whoa. Mm -hmm. So Marcus, who is his twin brother, Later pawned the jewelry for seven hundred and five dollars. Gross, right? So he did it like he mailed it to his brother mm-hmm. and did he get the money within the time of him being arrested or not? I'm I don't think so. No. I think Marcus just like took it to yep. a pawn shop where he was from and like got the money. Yeah. But I don't I don't think that Marcus Knew where it came from. Okay. He, he didn't know. All right. No. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. Yeah. 
So during his police interview, Vincent was asked why he kept Stephanie's bra and he replied that he didn't know why and maybe I wanted a souvenir. Man. On the day which should have been Stephanie's wedding day, her remains were recovered from Kokopara National Park. While officers were examining the scene, her family were attending a memorial picnic at the place where her wedding ceremony should have taken place. The memorial was a perfect reflection of the way Stephanie was viewed in the community. More than 1,000 residents, friends and families all dressed in her favourite colour, yellow, and released balloons into the air to farewell their beloved sister, fiancé, daughter, mentor, teacher and neighbour. While friends and family who had known Stephanie personally attended the memorial, news of her senseless murder was having a profound effect on Australia as a nation. That morning, the country had awoken to the news of Stephanie's death. The cruelty of her death caused an outpouring of emotion and social media came alive with tributes to a woman people had never met. Across the nation, women hung their wedding dresses or other meaningful outfits on their front doors. The hashtag Put Your Dress Out campaign was intended to commemorate Stephanie's life, but also to to acknowledge the other women like her who were victims of violence every day in Australia. Amidst the somber commemorations, a bewildered community raised their collective voice, demanding answers from the authorities. How could such an unspeakable cruelty be inflicted upon a young woman whose kindness and compassion touched countless lives? But also, who was responsible for such cruelty to a vibrant soul? Who was rimming with dreams and aspirations? Do you remember that? Actually, I don't remember it. You don't remember the wedding dress? No, maybe if I seen it, I might remember it, but I don't, like it doesn't doesn't mm. stick out yeah yeah so what, what year was it 2015 that happened yeah 2015 yeah no i don't remember mm. it's sad i think um i would say that it was more like women were mm-hmm. affected by this case yeah. obviously um, but i remember people yeah. putting their wedding dresses out mm-hmm. and things like that on their yeah. front doors and like on their letterboxes and things but yeah, that was for Stephanie. Yeah. So, unlike so many other killers, Vincent's upbringing gave little indication of the wickedness that lay dormant within him. Vincent's childhood appeared, at least on the surface, as an ordinary canvas painted with innocence and fleeting joys. In the quiet tapestry of his young life, there were no glaring red flags and no tales of trauma or event that would indicate the violence that he would unleash on the world as an adult. Mm-hmm. But with the benefit of hindsight, anyone could see that there was darkness there, lying just beneath the surface, waiting for its moment. As the story of Stephanie Scott and Vincent Stanford unfolded, the contrast between the man and the monster within him became painfully apparent. The stark contrast between the facade of normality and the depth of his gravity would shake everyone who heard about Stephanie's case and leave them grappling with the harrowing realisation that evil can often wear the most inconspicuous disguise. Vincent and his identical twin brother Marcus were born in Tasmania, Australia. They were the second and third children to their parents Steve and Anika who had an older child named Luke. When the twins were two years old, Anika decided to return to live in her native homeland in the Netherlands to be closer to her extended family. But within a year of arriving, Steve left the family for good and he returned to Australia. He had no further contact with his three sons. Steve's abandonment is the only event in Vincent's childhood which indicates anything outside of a healthy and stable upbringing. So basically, 
he was a good kid in a loving home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I tell you some of these cases and they're brought up in like really yeah. harsh environments. Yeah. He had nothing like that. Like he was good family, loved, taken care of. Mm. So in 2013, Vincent returned to Australia and in 2014, Anika Marcus. Yeah, where did they go again? The Netherlands. Okay. Yep. Um, but in 2014, everyone came back. Yep. Um, so initially, the family lived in a caravan park in Griffith before settling in Leeton. Luke and Vincent stayed living with their mother, but Marcus moved to Adelaide soon after. So while Vincent told the police that he didn't plan on killing Stephanie until he saw her in the school that day, he also revealed that he had known for as long as he could remember that one day he would kill someone. Mm-hmm. So he's so this wasn't out of any form of. Um, there was nothing that he had against Stephanie or her husband. It wasn't like a, I love you so much, I'm going to kill you. No one else can have you. And it wasn't that no, like. This was a very unfortunate case of wrong place, wrong, wrong time fuck. kind of thing. Yep. Stars aligned for him. Yeah. You know? So long before Vincent moved back to Australia, he was known as troubled. Mm-hmm. It started when Vincent was a child. He couldn't pay attention at school. He had trouble making friends and he got into trouble frequently. All of that wasn't terribly unusual for a developing child, but before he even reached his teens, Vincent's misbehavior had taken a violent turn. He frequently hit and punched his peers, and when he was 12 years old, Vincent was expelled from school in the Netherlands for choking a teacher. Wow. So as a result of the attack, Vincent was confined to a mental health unit for several months. As a young adult, Vincent's concerning behavior only got worse, While he didn't get in trouble for violence, he had an altogether more disturbing hobby. When he returned to Australia and began living in Leeton, he became known as a creep. A number of women and preteen girls had told the police that Vincent was stalking them and found after Stephanie's... Oh, that Vincent was stalking them and that they were afraid for their safety. And in a journal, which police found after Stephanie's murder, they discovered a record of daily movements of a local 12-year-old girl Perhaps even more disturbing, the journal also contained a plan to abduct and kill her. So he was actually planning. He to, was planning something, with, but yeah. for this twelve-year-old yeah. girl, but ended up coming across Stephanie on that Easter Sunday instead. Yeah, isn't that awful? Yeah. So it turned out that Vincent's desire to kill had started at a young age, even before he had tried to choke his teacher in the Netherlands. He had fantasized about killing someone since the age of seven and he often dreamed and planned for how he would do it and get away with it. He spent hours online searching for information about murder and how to avoid getting caught. During the investigation into Stephanie's murder, he the police... He searched very hard on how to avoid getting caught, did he? No. During the investigation into Stephanie's murder... Well, actually, to be honest, if the principal didn't drive past that day... I wonder if he would have been caught. Wasn't there someone else who said they seen the car? And there? the neighbor too. Yes. Yeah. But like if those well, two people. The principal did though. Mm. So. Yeah. That's unfortunate, I guess. So during the investigation into Stephanie's murder, the police looked into Vincent's internet search two months before he murdered Stephanie. And he was looking at things like bride rape and bride killing. So Vincent knew that he would take a life one day. It was just a matter of time. And that's why he kept all the items he needed for a kill kit within easy reach. While he claimed that he hadn't planned that his first victim would be Stephanie and that he only decided to kill her after he saw her, his search history 
like makes you wonder if he didn't pre-select Stephanie. Yeah. Like it's a bit sus mm-hmm. that he would Google bride killing and bride rape. Yeah. And then Stephanie. Yeah. You know? He, what wanted, do you th- he wanted a bride. What do you think? No, I think he's just sick, not all there, messed up. Yeah. So Vincent's search history also revealed that he had made various other searches for serial killer knives widow knives and the sharpest puncher knives in the days before her death as well as terms related to necrophilia and necro rape what's that where people have sex with oh with dead bodies and stuff yeah yeah special place for those people hell yes so vincent also told the police that he became a cleaner because it kept him away from people. He claimed he couldn't get along with normal people and that he didn't have the capacity to adapt to society. I would have to require emotions. I almost have none. I have hatred, he said. So despite the disturbing stalking behavior and violent undercurrent of his personality, Vincent had no criminal history. The incident with the teacher when he was 12 was not on his record due to his age at the time and obviously it happened in the Netherlands. So Mm -hmm. how would people here know? However, there is some evidence to indicate that during the time Vincent worked at Leiden High School, there should have been red flags raised about his behaviour. The incidents in question only came to light after Stephanie's murder. Teenage female students reported that they had found him apparently cleaning the girls' bathroom during lunch breaks at the same time that the students were using them, which... Yeah, wrong. It's not... It's wrong. If you're a male cleaner, you don't go in there and clean during lunch times. Yeah. I mean, I guess now because you know what he did, but like... When you're at the Westfield shopping center, like people that's come Westfield. That's like, that's all day, every day. But at a school, yes. you know, when the, when lunch breaks are, yeah. you think you're going to clean it just before and then after. Yeah. Not, not, not yeah. sure. Well, break. they thought it was weird. They didn't, they're yeah. obviously uncomfortable. As they should. So on the day of his confession, Vincent was charged with murder and aggravated sexual assault and inflicting actual bodily harm. After he was charged with Stephanie's murder, Vincent underwent two mental health assessments. Mm-hmm. Both reports diagnosed him with autism spectrum disorder. His autistic limitations caused him to fluctuate between despair for himself and unfulfilled expectations See, of just, others' treatment yeah. of him, which leads to entrenched anger and hatred. The mm. judge said he's essentially locked in this eternally conflicted state. I knew there wasn't something all there. But yeah, it's sad. I just wish he, you said in a statement he made, he said he knew he needed help, but he didn't get it. If yeah. only he had like, a, if maybe he'd just gone and seen someone, mm-hmm. talk about it. I don't know. Could have been different. Yeah. In one report, the psychiatrist described Vincent as having characteristics of sexual sadism. These profiles also found that Vincent had a pattern of social and interpersonal deficits, including the capacity to experience emotion, extreme detachment and indifference to others. He had evaluated scores of the sadistic aggressive scale, but scored in the very low range for psychopathic tendencies. Vincent told both psychiatrists that he does not have to be angry to feel violent and described it as just cold-blooded violence. This is just the way I'm arranged. I think I've done remarkably well to live with people for 24 years. I don't think there are any treatments for my inability to deal with other people. So basically you're just like, he's a a walking, killing, like robot. He has no emotions, no no feelings, but he hates people. Hmm. That's fucking... Yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, it's just messed up. Is he... Obviously, 
surely he's locked away for life. Yeah, so he pleaded guilty to all of the charges against him and at his sentencing hearing, the prosecution argued for the maximum penalties for all of the charges given the brutality of the crime and Vincent's lack of remorse. Like he really doesn't give a shit about Mm. what he's done. So to support their argument... They showed the court footage of his police interviews. In all of his interviews, he remained completely calm and emotionless. In one statement, he said he could hardly remember the details of the murder because it was so long ago. And at one point, he was directly questioned about his lack of emotion in the interviews. And he told officers that he rarely thought about killing Stephanie. He spoke about her murder like someone might recall a trip to the supermarket. There was no feeling or sadness or elation. It was just a thing that he had done. I had to kill her. I was not angry or anything. I was pretty emotionless. I just thought I had to kill her. I think I have mental problems. I didn't feel angry. I just wanted to kill. So that's, he keeps coming back to that. Yeah. So Vincent told officers that killing Stephanie was not enjoyable, but it had somewhat reduced the tension he was feeling and the, and decreased his desire to kill again. Okay. So, because that was in my next question, was this just like, would he have, like now that he'd done it, would he have done it again? I if think so. Yep. If he didn't get caught, of course he would. Mm-hmm. So, but the words were of little comfort to Stephanie's devastated family. The magnitude of the tragedy defied comprehension. In court, Stephanie's mother, Marilyn, read an emotional victim impact statement. She started with the words she had written in preparation for her mother of the bride speech on what should have been her daughter's wedding day and went on to describe all the wonderful and beautiful parts of her daughter. Marilyn also attempted to articulate the pain she was experiencing on a daily basis after having Stephanie taken away from her in such a way. Losing her has shattered so many lives and we are all struggling with the consequences, she said. So much has been taken away from us. Stephanie has had everything taken away from her. Marilyn revealed that each night she said goodnight my darling girl from the darkness of her bed. Nights are haunted by visions so terrible it is difficult to find rest. Her voice wobbled as she asked, did she see the knife? Did she see the first, the fist before he pounded her precious life into oblivion? She also spoke of hearing that Vincent had access to six schools at the time he raped and killed her daughter at Leeton High School. There were many behaviours that should have raised red flags. We will endeavour to stop thinking about this person that has done this to our family. So much pain has been caused, so much damage has been done. Enough has been taken from us and let this be the end to it. It is time to celebrate our daughter's life, to dwell on the good things, to remember her humanity and her love of life. Marilyn also told media that she would not make any further comments about Stephanie. We need to be able to fade from public view, to mourn our beautiful girl and work our way through our grief. The day after the sentencing was Stephanie's 28th birthday. Tomorrow we begin to celebrate Stephanie's too short amazing life. This should be her 28th birthday, the second one... We celebrate without her. We will be having a cup of tea and a mint slice biscuit. Ultimately, the judge agreed with the prosecution and in his sentencing remarks, he stated the level of culpability is so extreme that it warrants a maximum penalty and that Vincent represents a serious danger to the safety of the community. For Stephanie's rape and murder, Vincent was sentenced to life in prison plus 15 years. So he's never getting up, basically. His twin brother, Marcus, was charged as an accessory to murder for his role in pawning Stephanie's jewellery. Text messages recovered from Marcus's phone showed that Vincent had texted him to say, I'm going to send you an envelope. Keep it safe for me. 
can you let me know when you receive the envelope? When Vincent was first arrested, officials weren't aware that he had mailed the items to his brother, but the pair spoke frequently over the phone from jail. In one conversation, Vincent said, so what did you do with the stuff I sent you? And Marcus replied, exactly what you told me to do. Marcus later used some of that money from the pawn rings to buy a plane ticket to visit Vincent in jail. For his involvement in getting rid of the items um, from a crime, Marcus pleaded guilty to being an accessory to murder and he received a sentence of 14 months imprisonment. He later commented, I just want to say sorry for what I've done and for the hurt I've caused this family. I did a really stupid thing and unfortunately I can't take it back. Over time, though, Aaron, uh, Stephanie's fiancé at the time, found love again. And in 2022, he announced his engagement to a local Leeton woman. They are due to be married in 2023. Mm -hmm. Stephanie's family later brought a civil suit against the New New South Wales Education Department. They claimed that more stringent staff screening could have helped avoid their daughter crossing paths with Mm. her murderer. The case was later settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. In the end, the story of Stephanie Scott murder is a haunting reminder that darkness can lurk where we least expect it it serves as a testament to the capacity for evil that resides resides within some individuals even those who may have once appeared ordinary as we strive for justice and grapple with the devastating consequences of this heinous crime let us also carry forward the memory of stephanie's vibrant spirit and unwavering dedication to her students her family and her fiance May her legacy serve as a beacon of hope, inspiring us to foster empathy and kindness in an increasingly cruel world. Ooh, that got me. Hmm. Why do you tell me these ones? I'm not here for these ones where they don't make it, babe. I know they're sad. Oh. Yeah, that got me at the end. Yeah, and no, this is very sad. I don't like these ones. But it's, um, yeah, that's, that's so shit. It's so shit. And it's just... Wrong place, wrong time, but there's so many different factors that so many things that could have come into play for that not to happen as well. But yeah. Do you want tissue? I think we just have to wrap it up. (laughs) You're going to have to finish. Oh, well, I really didn't like that one. Mm. Anyway, I did that for her just so that her memory lives on a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Anyway. I'm going to go and cry off camera now. (laughs) (laughs) We'll um, see you next week. We'll catch you guys next week. Um, But thank you to everyone that's been sharing our podcast and our socials and subscribing and all of those things. It really helps and we appreciate it. And we will catch you guys next week. (laughs) Say your line. What's my line again? (laughs) Tell me next week. Okay. We'll cut it in. Tell me next week. (laughs) Bye, darling. (laughs) 